Welcome to Radio BX, the podcast of the Building Energy Exchange, where we discuss sustainability and energy efficiency in the built environment. Radio BX is a natural extension of our core mission to foster dialogue among the entire community that impacts the performance of buildings. I'm your host, Yatza Frank, and I'll be talking with leaders who are driving positive change across the country and abroad. So stay engaged and join the conversation each month with some of the most compelling people in our field. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Radio BX. It is May 21st, 2020. I'm Yatza Frank with the Building Energy Exchange. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Janet Joseph, Senior Vice President, Strategy and Market Development at the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, better known as NYSERDA. We launched Radio BX to foster a conversation within our community by featuring those leaders in our industry that are pushing the envelope, uh, whether implementing high-performance buildings on the ground or developing policies and initiatives that shift the market forward. The overall mission of the Building Energy Exchange is to advance our transition to healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient buildings, and perhaps no organization is more instrumental in our ability to develop education and resources than NYSERDA. In fact, Janet's stellar colleague, Emily Dean, the Director of Market Development at NYSERDA, is an active member of our board and currently acts as our treasurer. Janet herself, uh, as I said, is the Senior Vice President for Strategy and Market Development at NYSERDA. In this role, she leads NYSERDA's work in the decarbonization of buildings, which includes a suite of programs and policies designed to deliver a carbon-neutral building stock across the state. Ms. Joseph has more than 28 years of experience in clean energy. She has led technical policy and leadership positions uh, at NYSERDA, where she has spearheaded initiatives to develop solar and renewable power, build a clean tech startup industry, launch energy storage collaboratives, and identify greenhouse gas reduction strategies that provide benefits for all New Yorkers. Prior to joining NYSERDA, Janet was a research scientist at Battelle Pacific Northwest Laboratory and a consultant for Booz Allen and Hamilton in Washington, D.C. Ms. Joseph serves on the boards of Northeast Energy Efficiency Partnerships, Urban Green Council, New York State Center for Future Energy Systems, and the Urban Futures Lab. She received the 2015 Public Service Excellence Award from the State Academy for Public Administration and was voted as one of the top 10 clean tech leaders in New York. She has a master's degree in environmental chemistry from the University of Maryland. Janet Joseph, welcome to Radio BX. Uh, it's great to be here, Yatsa. Janet, I wanted to start by asking about your background. Um, it's unique, I think, to have shifted from pure research to sort of broad implementation at such a large scale. And I'd be interested, I'm, I'm sure our listeners would be interested to hear more about your journey from a research scientist to this prominent position at one of the most important state agencies in the country. So I'll try to hit some of the, the high points. So my academic background is in atmospheric chemistry, uh, but I've always been compelled to work at the interface of science and policy and, and technology. When I was a graduate student at the University of Maryland, I uh, taught a class, I was actually a teaching assistant that was focused on energy technology and risk. And we spent about half of that class discussing climate change. And I might date myself here, but mind you, this was back in the early 1980s. Wow. So I was drawn very deeply into the topic of energy and climate change back then. And I really knew from that point on, I wanted to focus my professional energy 
on addressing what was clearly a vexing environmental and energy challenges. And I've been doing that for the better part of, of three decades. When I joined NYSERDA, I spent about 10 years managing an environmental research program. So we were doing some pretty good field right, work right. that was shining a light on energy-related environmental problems like acid rain, ozone, smog, and even supported some of the, the state's first research in, in, in climate wow. change. But about midway through my career, I hit a point where I felt like I had uh, admired the challenges enough. I had understood, <laughs> I had delved into all of the reasons why these energy-related issues were so complex. And I really wanted to pivot uh, deeply into focusing on developing solutions. So I started managing NYSERDA's technology R&D program at the time, you know, working with academic startup companies, trying to advance uh, all alternative energy. And as you noted, was active in, in really launching a number of NYSERDA's early forays into renewable energy, into energy storage, distributed energy resources. And, you know, I, I, I will say it's wonderful to see that solutions like storage, like offshore wind, like solar, these are not R&D investments right, anymore. Right. You know, these are full-blown commercial ventures employing thousands of people in New York State, you know, with the full in, uh, attention of the uh, kind of global investment community. So, you know, kind of getting a little bit closer to buildings, which is the, the topic of the discussion here. This may sound a little bit odd, but about two years ago, you know, I felt like we had solved the renewable electricity conundrum. Yeah. We knew how to produce electricity. We knew the policy instruments that were needed. The market was growing. The costs were coming down. Okay, there are some siding challenges, but we could really see the path to getting a major transformation of the, the generation mix in right. the state. But the path to decarbonizing buildings, you know, in my view, is among the toughest remaining climate challenges ahead. Yep. You know, and, and, and buildings in New York State, they're responsible for half the greenhouse gas emissions, you know, yep. and lest we forget, this is where we live, where we work, where we raise our families. So I like a big challenge. So about two years ago, I said, okay, let's... Let's give this building decarbonization work a try. Right. And that's kind of how I landed where, where I am. So uh, it's been an interesting yeah, journey. It sounds like it. So for listeners that aren't as familiar with our state's overall goals, I think it'd be great if you could summarize the sort of major climate action commitments we're currently pursuing as a state. Sure. So, you know, in 2019, New York State enacted the most aggressive climate policy by any major global economy. And this was through the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. So this really sets the standard um, for other states and, and the nation to follow with a goal of reducing carbon emissions 85% by 2050 and an interim mandate of a 40% reduction by 2030. So it, it places New York 
on a path to carbon neutrality across all sectors of the economy. So transportation, buildings, industry, electricity, and land use. It's, it's really a landmark piece of legislation. And it codified some very important clean energy goals and targets in New York State. So notably, uh, 70% of the state's electric demand will be met by renewable resources in 10 years. It's a huge so goal. we're talking about a transformation of the electric generation system in a decade. And in 20 years, we're looking at 100% carbon-free electric grid. So that is really amazing. Yeah. You know, this is a grid that has been built up over a century and we are transforming it in in two decades. So the you know the legislation had a couple of very major benchmarks around offshore wind, distributed solar, energy storage, also energy efficiency. Yeah. So kind of connecting back to buildings. Uh, it has a goal of uh, 185 trillion BTU energy savings by 2025. So put that in context, that's about the uh, equivalent energy needs for close to 2 million homes. So it has a, a really big building component um, at, as well. Um, one other feature of this climate policy that I, I think is, is really noteworthy is that it addresses the, the need to delve into environmental justice, the needs of disadvantaged communities and ensure that there is a just transition for workers as part of this major energy yeah, transformation. Really, really so that's this. a big that's component uh, of, of the policy. And, you know, this is all building on a foundation of market progress uh, throughout New York State, you know, through some longstanding commitments to clean energy through work such as our clean energy standard, which is the state's renewable energy standard, right. or some of the programs that NYSERDA manages around the Clean Energy Fund, which supports energy efficiency, solar research and development, as well as investments that the utilities are making in, in energy efficiency. So 2019 was a huge year for climate policy at the state level and also at the city level with their passage of the Climate Mobilization definitely, Act. Definitely. So obviously right now we're operating within a very unique context uh, with our response to COVID-19 being sort of the paramount concern of most of government. Um, Governor Cuomo has put together the New York Forward Plan, which will uh, reopen regions of the state based on specific metrics. And I'm curious how our kind of climate action commitments sort of operate yeah. in tandem with that New York Forward Plan. Yeah, so um, a lot of tough issues here. So the, the governor has most definitely focused all of New York State government on responding to the COVID crisis. Uh, but we are now seeing regions slowly begin to open as part of our recovery as part of New York State forward. As of today, seven regions across New York State have met specific health-based criteria, and they're moving into what we're calling phase one of reopening. So those seven regions include everything but for Long Island, New York City, and in the Hudson Valley. Right. Um, it's really worth, I want to underscore that 
we are committed in New York State to doing everything we can to keep our climate goals on track. Yeah. This COVID crisis is you know, consuming uh, uh, most of our energy right now, but our climate crisis has not gone yeah. away. So we really are looking to ways of stimulating our economic build back through investments in clean energy, renewable energy, and, yeah. and energy efficiency. You know, so our focus at NYSERDA definitely remains set on the energy work that's left to do. Uh, but we, you know, we do recognize the significant and difficult challenges that our partners course, yeah. are, 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 and employees are, are, are facing. And I don't know if you've tracked any of the job data, but the results for, for job losses in the clean energy sector alone in, in, in New York state, they're, they're heartbreaking. Yeah. There's a, we had over 20,000 job losses in, in clean energy. And certainly we know this is happening economy wide. This is the part of the sector that, you know, I look at on a daily basis. Right. So have those stats handy. But, uh, you know, going into 2020, we were 160,000 people strong right. in New York's right. clean energy sector. So losing 20,000 jobs is, 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 is really quite significant. So, you know, these days we are assisting clean energy businesses with resources to help them plan and, and begin their returning to, to, to work. Um, you know, again, on the jobs front, clean energy has proven to be a strong economic driver and in many ways, you know, outpacing national workforce um, in, 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 some, in some areas. So we feel very strongly that the economic recovery provides us with a very significant opportunity to focus on the clean energy sector. And to do so, you know, for the good of our economic and, and environmental health. Great. Um, and that's, that's what we're focused on. So we're working with our partners. We're helping them reopen. We're helping them um, build back. We want to make sure that they, they get back into the workforce, you know, in a safe way to protect their workers, to protect consumers. And we want clean energy to be part of our uh, economic recovery going forward. It's great. It's been very clear with everyone I speak with at the state level that that's, that that's the case. And it's great to, great to hear. So sort of moving from the kind of overall state goals and sort of pivoting to, to buildings, um, the subject that our organization is focused on and I, which, which I imagine our listeners are you know, most eager to hear about, um, NYSERDA is central to rolling out a host of programs to advance the performance of buildings through awards and recognition. So maybe you could describe for our listeners the major programs that are driving decarbonization of buildings, both new and existing buildings. Sure, would 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 be glad to. So, um, I I know you have a, a deep appreciation for the role that that buildings play both in achieving our climate and emissions reduction goals, and certainly you know New York City is a, a perfect backdrop for this uh, conversation. But just a, a little bit of perspective at the state level. So New Yorkers pay about thirty billion dollars annually for electricity and heating fuels in New York State. And more than half of our greenhouse gas emissions come from these building 
um, related uh, uh, operations. And, and we all know buildings can last for over, over a century, you know, and in, in, importantly, um, this is pretty interesting, but about 80% of the buildings that we have in New York State were constructed before we had energy codes. So, you know, the energy codes that emerged in the 1970s. So our, our building stock was never really you know, designed That's a great statistic. To, to, to be, it's sobering, it's yeah. a sobering statistic, energy efficient. So energy efficiency is a very big part of of our agenda uh, at NYSERDA, building energy efficiency in, in particular, uh, we are investing about $2 billion through our clean energy fund through 2025 in building energy efficiency at NYSERDA. Uh, and our strategy has shifted to really drive more carbon neutral buildings given how aggressive our, our, our climate goals are and 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 by that we're we're talking about buildings that are highly energy efficient they have a high degree of electrification yeah. you know they're making maximum use of of renewable resources and they can be designed to to work with the the grid so you know, five to 10% energy savings in buildings, that's just not yeah. good enough. You know, we, we have to, we have to do more. Um, and I think we all can appreciate that to make buildings energy efficient, these kinds of considerations need to be factored into the early stages of project design. They need to be baked into the capital planning cycle. And those are some of the ways in which we are trying to design our programs, sort of recognizing those, those, two, those two fundamental points. Um, so a couple of, of initiatives that we've yeah. uh, been launching, uh, Buildings of Excellence is one that uh, I, know, I know you're familiar with, and we've been uh, pleased to partner with the Building Energy Exchange on this initiative. But it's a uh, first-of-a-kind $30 million competition that we launched last year to advance the design and construction of low and zero carbon multifamily buildings. So the goal of the Buildings of Excellence initiative is really to show that low carbon buildings, they can be profitable, they can be beautiful, and they can be great places to live. So that, that's what we're trying to do in this initiative. And it includes fairly large awards for um, you know, design type yeah. competitions, a million dollar award for uh, multiple million dollar awards for, for winning projects. And so far, 28 excellent building projects have been awarded and this includes 18 projects in, in New York City. And I know um, the Building Energy Exchange is doing a great job sharing information about those, those projects. So the next round of awards is expected in the fall of 2020. We look forward to continuing to partner um, with you on that effort. Uh, and we will be having a third round after that. So I hope some of the listeners will be interested in this new initiative and um, will we'll, uh, take a, a look at our webpage, learn about it, and, and potentially participate. Um, we also have a new initiative that mm -hmm. I want to uh, to share, and that is the Empire Building Challenge. And this is 
uh, an exciting new program, which the governor announced in his 2020 State of the State uh, address. So this will be a partnership with commercial real estate companies to demonstrate carbon neutral retrofit solutions for mid to high rise buildings. And I, I, I know you can appreciate that these are probably, you know, the toughest challenges we have yeah. to address those, those big tall buildings, um, trying to figure out how to decarbonize them. So we are co-designing this program with our private sector partners. We have some great partners uh, to work with. And really forward to moving that program um, into the market. I, I do expect that, you know, given current events, we'll be looking more closely at strategies that can also ensure not just carbon efficiency, but occupancy health. Yeah. This is an issue that we're all grappling Definitely. with today. Um, you know, it, it really, really looms large. I, I think the movement toward building wellness has certainly been happening in the green buildings community, but you know, COVID just basically put that on, put that on steroids. <laughs> um, yeah. So that will be, you know, part of what, what we work on. Um, you know, we do have an, a, a buildings R and D program that is looking at some next generation heating and cooling solutions around heat pumps and thermal distribution systems and development of energy pods. And we are sourcing solutions globally for that effort. So that's also, I think, a very valuable piece of our, our, our portfolio. And then lastly, just to touch on a, a few things that are really taking, um, uh, taking a long view, we have two roadmaps that we are working on related to, to buildings. One is addressing carbon neutral buildings, right. sort of charting a path forward for the different building topologies that we have to, to achieve our, our carbon goals. And then a related effort that's focusing on building electrification. Right. So, you know, there we're really looking at how do we transform fundamentally how we heat and cool our buildings. And that one is to be available in in 2021. You know, we have dozens of other initiatives um, that are all on our webpage. So, you know, I'd encourage uh, listeners to to take a look there. But those are a, a couple of the new and exciting things we're working on. The building electrification roadmap um, you expect to be uh, available in 2021. Is that is that what you said? That's correct. And the carbon neutral buildings roadmap is that expected to be out this year. Uh, toward, I would say, Q1, Q1 of, of, next year. of 2021, yeah. the end of the year, Q1. That's great. And I think this might be the first time a lot of our listeners are hearing about Empire Buildings Challenge, um, which it sounds like a really, really excellent effort. That might be the first time we've had breaking news here on Radio BX. So that's a first. It's all that is breaking news. Although, like as I said, the governor, governor did mention it in his. Yeah. <laughs> he said it was going to happen, and now we we all That's have true. to deliver yep. it. But we we really are looking forward to um, a robust partnership with the real estate community, with technology developers to to really show what can be done in you know mid rise, high rise, high yeah. rise buildings as it relates to reducing carbon. It's great to see NYSERDA sort of directly sort of targeting that that sector because it's a real it's a really challenging place. 
um, to work. And uh, the buildings of excellence, it's great to hear that it's continuing year on year. Um, as you said, we're, we have been supporting it at, at BX and we've been running a series of programs called gallery talks that are featuring a number of the projects that have received awards under the program. And this, they've been excellent to, to hear those top project teams talk about the, the projects and how they achieved the levels of success that they did. And we actually have one more on the calendar right now on May 27th. So people should, um, should check that out if they if they have a chance. Um, so NYSERDA is, you know, work, they work on what you might call both sides of the meter, right? You work on both supply and demand. And, and as you described, you have personally worked <laughs> on both sides of the meter, um, uh, you know, shifting our grid to all renewable resources while simultaneously kind of advancing deep efficiency among buildings. How, do, how in policy terms, like in initiative terms in NYSERDA, how do these um, interests kind of talk to one another? There are a lot of building owners who'd like to think that if they just electrify, that they can then leave the heavy work to the state to improve the grid and not make any more changes. But it doesn't really work quite like that. How is NYSERDA connecting what are in some ways kind of competing interests? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and it's certainly a topic that's uh, being hotly debated, you know, in New York City in particular, as it relates to Local Law 97 or the Climate Mobilization Act, and I, I would say throughout our industry yeah. more more broadly. So, you know, the state can provide guidance and support, but ultimately, public-private partnerships are really critical to advancing electrification and energy efficiency solutions for buildings, as well as the build out of our renewable energy infrastructure. So, you know, building electrification is certainly a goal, yeah. uh, but we are going to need to reduce building load in certain building types to achieve our carbon emission goals. And importantly, to avoid the costly build out of a grid to accommodate a winter peak. Right yeah. now we have a summer peaking electrical grid. If all of our building load were to shift to electrification without any load reduction, we'd be looking at a very large and costly winter peak. So clearly, you know, that's not a, a prudent way to go. But but I will say there is not a one size fits all solution here. So there may be some building topologies for which a deep load reducing retrofit is really not viable. Yeah. But there's a, a couple of issues that, that need to be considered. So just looking at electrification for a moment, we're focused very heavily at the state level on residential um, building electrification. It's, it is the entry market for heat pumps sort right, of across right. the state. And if you just look at that, that sector for a moment, single family buildings in particular, you, know, you really need to make sure that the envelope is not excessively leaky um, or you will not achieve the level of comfort that the resident needs. So some insulation and ceiling is likely to be needed for, for single family residential buildings as part of an electrification strategy. And, and we've recently launched a program called comfort home to, to address that. But for larger buildings, I think that's really where this trade-off needs to be better understood. So, you know, buildings where the skin to condition space ratio is low, yeah. 
right? They may have more economic pathways besides a deep retrofit, but but we are really just beginning to understand these right, trade-offs. Right. And again, that's why we're investing in programs like the Empire Building Challenge. Um, but you know, to just hit this issue head on, um, you know, we cannot assume that we can just build an infinite amount of renewable electricity, yeah. get it into our dense urban environment, you know, make the necessary block and street level electrical investments to uh, handle an electrified building with no load reduction. Again, that that just does not seem to be um, a prudent way to go at this point. So we need to demonstrate electrification strategies for big buildings, medium-sized buildings, small buildings to understand what can work, what can work at scale, what's the value proposition. And we need to understand options for reducing load on, on those buildings in particular. So we need to go full steam ahead through um, our to build out our renewable resources yeah. to get the necessary transmission built out to support that um, for sure but we are nowhere near being able to say you know we can forget about load <laughs> reduction right. in big tall buildings because we're just going to build infinite amounts of of, of renewable electricity um, so we need to make progress uh, at this point we need to be making progress you know, on, on all fronts. Yeah. So I encourage, you know, any of the listeners who um, are interested in partnering with us, you know, to explore ways to develop and test smart electrification strategies, retrofit strategies in those big, tall buildings, um, you know, please uh, get, give a shout, give a contact. Um, you can reach, contact me personally, would really be um, thrilled to, to, to work that's with great. you. I mean, that's a, a great reminder that these programs, Empire Buildings Challenge, the Buildings of Excellence Award Program, they're not just exercises in, in like saying, hey, look how great New Yorkers are. They are designed to um, provide demonstration projects to the industry that these are the levels of performance that can be reached with the various sets of strategies and, and, and initiative. So that's great to, great to have that, be reminded of that. Right. That, that is exactly what we are, are trying to do. And they're also meant, I, I will say, to draw some attention from global solution providers with the climate legislation point. at the state level and at the city level, there's a huge demand for new um, heating and cooling solutions yeah. as one example. And there are solutions available in the global marketplace, yeah. whether it's Asia, Europe, we need to get those solutions here into New York State, into New York City. We need to get those businesses to come here. That's an economic development opportunity as well. So that's also an objective in, in some of these programs is to really source the solutions globally. So one of the major challenges which you've alluded to in New York is that so much of the building stock of the state that we will have in 2050 when you know most of these goals uh, need to be met is already in place. Unlike a lot of regions maybe out west, middle of the country that can rely on new construction kind of displacing buildings or adding to building fabric, um, here we have the unique challenge of needing to retrofit tens of thousands of existing buildings. Um, 
in the new construction market, you're taking a market that's already thriving in normal times, um, and you're sort of tuning it to develop better buildings out of that kind of machine, that market machine. But with deep retrofits, in some ways, we're kind of having to create a market that doesn't quite exist in the in the form we require at the scale we require. So, talk to us about what NYSERDA's role is in kind of making that and making that happen and kind of creating and juicing that market. Yeah. So, you know, for as long as I have been at NYSERDA, part of our role has been in creating a yeah. market where one does not exist. I mean, we did it in renewables and solar and energy storage. That's a great point. Yep. And I think we're going to need to do it in this um, retrofit building space as well. Of course, working in partnership with others, with the private sector, yeah. with yeah. cities, with localities. Um, so the clean energy business has always been a, a, a about sort of creating new, new market opportunities. Yeah. So I totally um, agree with you. The, the retrofit market is the toughest piece um, of work that we have. And if we wanted to break that into pieces, you know, again, the big tall buildings are the toughest among it. We do have a couple of uh, experiments that we're trying. One of these experiments is our retrofit New York program, right. which you may be familiar with. And um, this is a, an idea that we borrowed from the Netherlands. Yeah. And it's really there we are trying to spearhead the creation of standardized, scalable solutions and processes that can improve the aesthetics and the comfort of residential buildings, you know, while dramatically improving their, their energy performance in a cost-effective way. So, you know, we're looking at the development of energy pods for garden-style buildings. So those could include you know, a space heating as well as an energy recovery unit with a domestic hot water integrated into one unit that could be scalable, not custom built at every single site. Yeah. We're looking at industrialized, panelized wall construction, potentially drop on roof with solar. Yeah. So trying to standardize the retrofit process so that every single project is not a snowflake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically what we need to do to drive the costs down for, for the retrofit market. And that's a challenge, I think, uh, for, for our industry. So with this retrofit New York initiative, we are trying to aggregate demand among building owners. That's also critical. We are uh, mobilizing solution providers to develop some of the um, equipment and energy pods and, and yeah. um, industrialized components. And we are working with financial organizations to fund the projects by, by capturing the, the energy savings. So um, it's not easy, yeah. <laughs> it is a high risk venture, but it is, it is one way that we're trying to scale the retrofit market. Um, we've talked about the Empire Building Challenge uh, a few times, and we're hopeful through that we will also learn efficient ways of scaling the, the retrofit market um, as well. And I guess I'll, I'll put something out there which I, I really do believe is absolutely necessary. There is a significant role for appliance standards and codes 
there is no escaping that those tools will need to be in our toolbox, even for retrofits, if we are to achieve our carbon goals. It just has to be the way we improve our buildings. It just ha these kinds yeah. of highest efficiency measures need to be just built into the fabric of every construction project. And we won't hit our goals unless we do that. So we're really working on both ends, both trying you know, the best uh, lear learning from some of the more innovative models that we've seen global globally, but also trying to make progress on smart things that can be done around appliance standards and codes to get to this retrofit market. That's great. All really, really critical um, efforts in a really challenging uh, uh, sector in a, across our state. We have covered a lot of, uh, of ground. Um, and I want to thank you very much, um, for this conversation today. Um, it's been great. Uh, we're, we're very lucky to have someone as, as smart and dedicated as you leading these efforts, I have to say. Um, and, and it's been really great hearing from you on all of the various initiatives that NYSERDA is pushing forward. And all those initiatives are incredibly positive. Um, we spoke a little bit about COVID-19, but we are obviously, these are fairly dark times in a lot of ways, right? Um, COVID-19 is still dominating all of our lives uh, in, to one degree or another. And there's a, a significant economic recession of some sort looming. Um, and so I wanted to ask you sort of in this environment, like what, what is it that gives you hope right now, um, either professionally or personally? Yeah, well, um, I'd, I'd like to share something with you as a conversation that I had early on in the COVID crisis. So when the COVID crisis broke out, I contacted my daughter at the time, yeah. who is a, a graduate student at Berkeley studying architecture. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I asked her how she was doing. And the first thing that she said was, I'm hopeful. <laughs> wow. And, you know, the, these were just a few days. This is early March. I was watching the numbers climb. I was not feeling hopeful yeah, yeah. At, at the time. And so, you know, I said to her, well, tell, tell me why, why, you know, how, why are you hopeful? And, and, you know, she said with her millennial lens that it's the first time in her life that uh, she was hopeful that we will solve the climate crisis. And she had never seen government act so swiftly wow. with such commitments and with such impact to protect the public. Yeah. And if we could do this for COVID, we could do this to solve climate yeah. change. So, you know, in the spirit of trying to learn from our, our children and, and trying to see how we can build back stronger from this, you know, I am hopeful that we will learn from this health crisis and we will address the call of the climate, climate crisis, you know, and we will do so by building clean energy into our economic recovery and, and we will put people in the center of what we build. So that is what I am hopeful That's about. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it's a reminder that optimism is is a state of mind <laughs> uh, as much as anything. And um, and I really appreciate that. It's a very, a very excellent high note to to end on. 
Uh, Janet, thank you again very much. And thanks to all of our listeners and Will DiMaggio for producing this for us. Um, and we will uh, hope to see all of you again on the next episode of Radio BX. Janet, thank you. Thank you, Yatsa. It's great to be here and great to have such a good partnership with the Building Energy Exchange. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take Bye-bye. care, everyone. Be safe out there. <laughs>